All right. So I'm here with Julie, and uh, you you sent me an email, and I'm wondering if you can just give it a read so people know what we're going to be dealing with tonight. Okay. So my sister, I'm my name's Julie. I'm 52. My sister is hosting an 80th birthday party for my mom, and I don't want to go. I would have to buy a plane ticket to go since it's 1,100 miles away, and my mother has never made it a priority to attend any significant family milestone events in my life, including last week, my daughter got married and, um, we, we used to live within 50 minutes of each other for about 18 years. And she never attended any of my children's religious, uh, events like when they were blessed as a baby, their baptisms, any of their musical concerts or performances. And, and she even would skip out on birthday parties that I would throw for her and that I would have at my house. And, and then she would often cancel coming over for Christmas dinner or Easter dinner about an hour before the event, I'd get a call. Oh, I'm not coming. And my, my children would get really sad because they wanted to see grandma and it'd be t- disappointed when she didn't show up. And I'm sorry, let so me I, just interrupt for a sec. And I, I hate to interrupt this bit, but I just, for the bachelors out there who invite people over and then remember to call for pizza an hour after they get there, <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen Julie's picture. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And, and you are, I assume, an excellent hostess, an excellent homemaker. And so when you have someone over... It's a huge deal. You got to go out to the groceries. Yes. You got to cook. You've got to get everything ready. I bet you the napkins are folded into little swans. Like it's five star stuff. So just <laughs> you know, just so people understand, you know, if you're having some party and some guy doesn't show up, it's like, eh, more beer for us, you know. But but for for right. Julie, it's it's a huge deal. Even outside the mom stuff, right? It's 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 a huge yes. amount of preparation, and it literally is heartbreaking when someone doesn't show up. Because not not just because of the emotional stuff, but also just the staggering amount of planning and work. Like it's easy to spend four or five days planning for one of these things, and it's just a massive. Ma- I just want to sort of point that, like, now I'm married to an excellent homemaker and a great hostess, so I really didn't appreciate this kind of stuff before I got <laughs> married, and I just want people to understand that aspect of things as well. Thank you. You're you're very perceptive, because yeah, I get off the cloth napkins. Yeah. The yeah, it's it's a full on uh, beautiful thing with flower arrangements and stuff. And yeah, can I can I tell you a ghastly secret? Sure. Um, I'm not allowed to use the downstairs washroom for the day before guests come over. <laughs> like I'm, 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 I my, my I think my wife would prefer I use the lawn if necessary, <laughs> but I'm just not because you know that's for guests. And I, think, little... I think your wife and I would be fast friends. <laughs> I think so. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying it's a pretty strict rule. But anyway, go on. Okay. And um, so one time I had her stay with my kids. This was, this was a long time ago. So my oldest was probably, she was probably maybe a 10th grader. And then, and then 12, there's 12 years between my, my youngest and my oldest. So five kids. And she, we went on this cruise to Hawaii and she left early. She left two days before we got home 
And so my kids were taking care of themselves. And I, I don't think my oldest daughter had her driver's license yet. And the reason she left, she said she broke her foot. But my second daughter, who was probably 12 at the time, she said she and grandma got, got into it because my daughter was upset that my mom wasn't helping around the house and that she was doing everything. And anyway, so that, wait, wait. Was, that was... Sorry, let me just make sure I understand this, Julie. <laughs> okay, uh, just parent to parent. So you go on vacation and your mom's there taking care of your kids. But she leaves two days early. Yes. And she claims it was a foot injury. Your daughter says, no, it wasn't a foot injury. It's just that your daughter. So you left your mother in charge of your children. Mm-hmm. And she left two days. And she didn't tell you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't tell me because on the. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to breathe yeah. through this. But all right. Go ahead. And I think, I think that was, no, we had a cell phone then, but it, it was before texting. So yeah, she didn't send a, have a cell phone and I don't think she called, but, but anyway, um, so, so that was kind of a weird deal. And, um, anyway, so I, I can't read the rest of my letter, but I'll just tell you what is on my mind. So this birthday party, it just seems like she does not, she doesn't care about supporting me or my children or, and it's not just, uh, my children, it's my siblings, kids too. So, and my kids are very well behaved. They're good kids. It's not like, Oh, I can't stand going to her house because her kids drive me crazy. And, and my kids are adults now, most of them are. And, um, so it's not that, but I, I just feel so underappreciated and, and my, my oldest child getting married last week, her not coming to that, not calling, not saying, how did it go? How was it? It just, it's just so, I just think it's so insensitive. And so if I don't go to the party, it would be, it's, I just, I don't want to go not, not to spite her, but it's just, I feel like there's not even a relationship there anymore. And I just don't want to, and I don't want to fly out there and spend the money. And I don't know. I just feel like it's just not that the love back and forth isn't happening. There's no love going back and forth. It's always one-sided. And, but I will feel so guilty if I don't go because she'll probably say something and behind my back um, or the next time I talk to her, she, she won't be very friendly. She'd be cold, right? Distant. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and she's, I have been afraid my whole life to talk, to, to say the truth to my mom. Like I would never, I was never allowed to talk back ever. And she was very, very strict. And I, I appreciate how she was strict because we were very well behaved, behaved children but to the point where I am 52 years old and I can't even say, mom, why didn't you come to your birthday party? It's just like, oh, you can't come. Okay, that's all right. And I cannot just say, you hurt my feelings. That, that made me feel bad 
that you didn't come or for today, I don't, I really don't want to come to your party because it doesn't seem like it's that important for you to go to family events. Um, unless, okay, do you, I'm going to throw something in there that just kills me is I have a famous cousin. He's, he's world famous and my mom will fly out to see her sister, her. So it's my, it's my mom's nephew who's famous. She will fly out um, to a different state because she'll know that her famous nephew is going to be there and she'll go to his event. And within the same week, my daughter has a huge life event and she'll, she won't go to that, but she'll go to her nephew's event that he has. And this happened, this has happened multiple times. And, and then another situation was my sister's son has a, a, his best friend is a baseball player, what major league baseball player. And my, my mom has gone to a different state to watch him play baseball games, but she won't go to her own children or grandchildren's important life events. Well, Julie, clearly that's your fault for not making them famous. <laughs> if they were famous, know, if right? you had done your job and made your children world famous, your mom, hey, I'm with your mom. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Now, <laughs> let's, let's just touch briefly um, on, on how this, this call almost didn't happen. Because, okay. yeah, what, what happened? Because we'd set this up a couple of days ago. Yeah. And you had a we case of cold feet. Is that right? Yes. And I, I'll tell you exactly what was going on in my mind was I, first of all, I really think it's important to forgive someone and, and not hold grudges. And, and then I felt kind of gossipy, like, I don't want to go out in public and say dirty laundry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, so I told my, my two kids that listened to you and they were saying, mom, it's okay. Don't, you don't have to worry about that because it's not my, my daughter said, whenever you tell a therapist things, that's not gossiping because they're there to help you. And, and I said, that that's true. And so I, a little, I little less public though. And I'm not a therapist, but I know what, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know you're not a therapist, but, but you, you help people. And I've, I've listened to many of your, uh, talks with people and you've actually helped my son a, a ton. And so I, I look at you as someone that, that could help and, and they helped, uh, remind me of that. So, so that was good. Well, I appreciate that. And then, so, and then. My my daughter, she's she's so. Is this the one who got married? Smart. Congratulations, by the way. Yes. I'm sorry your mom wasn't there. If it helps at all, I'm perfectly thrilled for you and your family. And I, I you know, I obviously my invitation got lost in the mail, but that's okay. I'll passive aggressively punish you for that for the rest of this call. But my congratulations <laughs> are, are definitely with your family. Thank you. It was probably one of the most happiest days of my life. But. So yeah, because anyway, so I'm my... an older father. I'm working on my daughter, like, get married young, get married young. It's <laughs> not going to have a whole lot of granddad action when I'm 80. Well, she she's she's 30 and just got married, and I've been chomping at the bit for her <laughs> to get married 
And, but she, you know, she just found the right guy recently, but anyway, but she, so after I had told her, you know, I don't like to hold a grudge and she, and she said, and I was saying, and I want to forgive. And she said, you clearly have not forgiven your mom for a lifetime of wrong because it still bothers you. And she said, part of forgiving is understanding your hurts. And anyway, so they, they were, they were totally right. And it's, it's funny I, when your, your kids get to nag you and they're right, isn't it? I mean, it I happens know. to me and my daughter's 10. And it's just an odd thing because, you know, when they're very young, you spend a lot of time guiding them. And then when they get older, they, they, the baton passes back and forth more evenly. And, and it's really kind of cool. It's what you want, right, is for your kids to have the wisdom to, to help you in life as well. I, I wasn't expecting it at 10, but um, it is, it's an interesting phase it, of, of parenting. It is. It's so interesting. And I... I was, I was bawling actually, just, I was almost on the floor bawling because I also just felt so guilty. And then all the things from my childhood were, they just kind of bombarded me yesterday. And, and it was just really weird to have that because I, I try to keep it together and I don't like to complain about my past and you know, put your best foot forward. And it just kind of flooded, flooded my brain yesterday. And it was, and you know, it was weird. you know, that's what you're fundamentally avoiding is not your mom, but yourself. No. I yeah. Okay. Well, just, just so you know, uh, that <laughs> it's, it's your feelings that you're avoiding, not your mom. Like by avoiding your mom, you get to avoid your feelings and you don't like, it's not that you have a problem with your feelings. We generally uh-huh. don't. We have a problem with where the feelings will lead and the decisions they may engender within us. And that's usually what we're avoiding is the conclusions of our feelings. And if we don't go uh-huh. that, down that path, then we don't find out where it leads because deep down we think it might lead to a place that's very difficult. Oh, wow. That's All right, guess we're done. I... Woo! Look at us getting <laughs> personal best. Well, and, and, you know, I'm part of just just the insecurity of my whole life was it it's weird how it it plays it plays a part in who i am today you know the all the the different husbands that she had yeah how many was it again five five husbands so she's like this elizabeth taylor black widow lady right <laughs> well did any of them die in a suspicious I feel like that seems so mean to call her black widow <laughs> No, Black Widows finished them off. This 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 one probably just dragged them through court for a while. Oof. Yeah. So and, and sorry. So I have a couple of comments, but I don't think I have enough information as yet. So if you could just tell me a little bit about, like, you you started kind of as an adult. You know, like we lived fifty minutes apart for was it eighteen years or something like that, and she yes. didn't spend much uh-huh. time with her grandkids. And like as like you, I'm chomping at the bit for grandkids. So. Uh, I, I, that's always incomprehensible to me, but when you were a child, tell me a little bit about, did she cycle through more than one husband while you were a kid or, or how did that work? And what was her mothering like, or your relationship like when you were a kid with her? Yes. So I, I only experienced four of her husbands and that is the saddest (laughs) thing I've heard in a long time. I only experienced four of her husbands. Yeah. And, um, it's so, it's so interesting. My earliest childhood memory is, um, 
her her second husband. Wait, were you fighting no, her, back emotion for for a moment there? Um, yeah, sorry. Um, my wait, so, sorry. Admit, wait, sorry for having the emotion or for fighting it back. Um, for probably having it, you know. Well, what's wrong it? with having the emotion? I mean, we, we were talking about very important stuff here. I mean, the emotions tell you it's important, right? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for validating me. That that's really nice. Um. Yeah, it's okay to feel the emotions. It's essential. But, so, uh, after my my mom and dad were divorced when I was eighteen months old, that's kind of what I figured out. And my earliest childhood memory is my first stepdad molesting me, and I was probably two to three years old. That's Good my Lord. very first childhood memory, and I realized that about five years ago. And I, I just thought, Oh, that's so terrible. And, but my whole life, I have never wanted to play the, the victim part. And I, and I never have. And I, wait, wait, play the victim part. Like you oh, were a victim. So you need to feel sorry for me. You know, I no, don't no, 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 that, no, 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 no. That's no, that's your mom talking. That's not you. That's your mom mm-hmm. having no pity for you and you supposed to having no sympathy for yourself so that she doesn't have to bear any consequences for bringing a damn pedophile into her children's home. No, this, this don't feel sympathy for yourself. That is a cold-hearted, monstrous thing implanted in you by your mother so she doesn't get any blowback for the horror that she brought into your life allowed to say his name um no don't yeah don't say his name we can just call him husband number one. Oh, d- number two sorry right oh yeah i would i would not say his name no right. no way um he he actually was husband number three but um when we were little we were never allowed to say his name around her and i mean it's like a voldemort kind of a thing yeah, yeah. um and she never said she she never talked to us about it ever and never said i was sorry she was sorry or anything like that okay so i'm but, sorry we just we're just skipping around a little bit Emma. so y- y- your parents your your biological father your parents separated when you were 18 months and there was another yes. guy in between between the third or was your was your biological father the second so my biological father was the her second husband okay and then and then i don't remember living with my dad ever. And my first memory through childhood is, is with my first stepdad, which was her third husband. And do you think that he married her to get access to her children? I have no idea. He... Seems likely. And, and this, this having non-biologically related guys around kids is very mm-hmm. dangerous. I mean, just, just so you oh. know, and I'm sure everybody out oh, there who's yeah. seen my presentations, you're more than 30 times more likely to be abused by a male who's not related to you. And this this whole stepdad stuff, you know, there are some great stepdads. I've had them on the show, but it is a huge risk factor. And uh, I don't think people appreciate that as much. Because, look, if, if you're a, a healthy, normal guy, you don't want to raise someone else's kids. Like, I hate to put it this bluntly, but it's kind of mm-hmm. been blown by the wayside because now society wants all men to serve single moms and all that, right? But right. why would you want to pour your resources into someone else's children. There's a reason that you want to be around those kids. And 
yeah, okay, sometimes it's because you just love them and you're a great guy and maybe you're in fertile island. There can be an alignment of the planets that makes mm -hmm. it productive. But a lot of times that ain't the case. You know, I, I have never thought about that. And I, I believe you. I have three sisters. He didn't mess around with my oldest sister, mm. but he did my other two. They're older than me. And well, they're all older than me. And, and yeah, I, I, I believe you, maybe he did to have access to, to my, to all of us girls. He, he hooked up with my mom because a single woman with five kids. Yeah. Why do you want to be around that, that many kids? Yeah. And he did have, I know from what I can remember, he had two kids of his own, but I don't think he had custody of them. I remember seeing them on occasion. But, Wait, your ma your mom married a guy who'd lost custody of his own children. Damn. Yeah. Damn. I mean, that's not even a red flag. That's a whole Chinese commie parade. <laughs> God Almighty. Now, what what uh, what sort of molestation was this guy into uh, that that you recall? Like, what did he do? Yeah. Oh, he. He would. I I don't I don't, I really don't want to say. No, don't don't say if you're not comfortable. I was I was just curious because at three, I mean, obviously there's no coitus or anything like that. It doesn't hugely matter. I was just kind of curious. Um, I I think he was he was working up my my sisters that are older than me. They just cannot talk about it at all, hmm. and and I think he was grooming me, so he was doing beginner stuff with me. Right. And I just breaking down just, resistance and personal boundaries and normalizing this kind of creepy stuff, right? Yeah, sticking okay. his hands in my pants and doing weird things and I remember just as a little girl being so terrified and just I remember thinking he was such a gross man and at at that young of an age I knew that that was wrong and it kind of haunted me as I was growing up it just kind of really, really freaked me out a little bit, but, um, luckily she wasn't married to him very long when she found out. Boy, that's about a, it. that's a real stretch of the word, luckily, Julie, but I kind of get where you're coming from. It's like, luckily the pedophile was out of the house after a while, but it's like, it's not a whole lot of luck to begin with, but I can see what you mean. Well, and cause I, I know that other women, they keep the guy around and they don't believe the kids and it's, what I think it was my my sister who's four years older than me. I think she ratted him out, and my mother went haywire. And, oh, she ratted him out to your mom or to someone else? Yeah, to my mom, and and my mom about lost it, and she actually um, took him to court to um, try to get him arrested. I don't know the exact details, but my oldest sister was telling me about it, and. And and my mom didn't win, and he never got arrested. Your mom didn't win. Yeah, and I I just I don't know why. I remember my sister having to testify. She told me she had to testify in court, and so it's it was all the reason why I don't know very many details is because we weren't allowed to talk about it as we were growing up, and so. The, the information I have is really sketchy. So your mother brings this 
giant, traumatic, malevolent pedophile into your lives. Then you go through the trauma, or your sister does, or sisters, of a court trial, and then the vaults are sealed and you can never talk about it again. Is that right? Right. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, how, yeah, how, and then how, she uh, shipped us off. I'm sorry? And then she shipped us off to a different state because she had a nervous breakdown. Mm. And so... What is a nervous this... breakdown? My mom used to talk about that kind of stuff. What, what does know. that even really mean? I, it's one of these terms that I don't know what it means. It's not like a medical thing. Is it like, what does that mean, a nervous breakdown? That's a good question. That's just what I always heard when I was younger. And so, okay. So she sent us off to a different state to, to live with different aunts and cousins. And I remember just missing my mom so bad. It was so hard to, to be, uh, not with my mom and not with my siblings. And Oh, you were shipped off separately. Yeah. At first we went to my one aunt's house, but she had five kids of her own and she couldn't handle all of us because that would be 10 kids. So then she farmed us out to different relatives. Wow. And were you all split up? Did you go five different households? Um, I think a couple of them were paired together, yeah. but do you, do you want to hear a really nutty way how we got out there to that different state that was I, I, halfway I, across I, the I, country? I must admit, Julie, I'm half and half, but okay, yes, I will, I will hear the nutty way okay. you got out to the different this, state. I mean, this is like the family joke that I, I tell my kids about, and they just are dumbfounded. My oldest sister was 11, and I was four, so, and, so between those ages, 11 and four, there were five of us. My mom stuck us on a Greyhound bus from the middle of the United States to the West Coast. So and you guys were how my, old? The oldest was 11 years old, and I was four years old on a Greyhound bus. Wow. That's, and, uh, boy, you, you probably couldn't get away with that anymore. I mean, I remember going on a plane oh, no. when I was six without an adult. I had my brother there, but um, to Africa. But uh, that's a little different. It's a little bit more of a secure environment. Yeah. I remember sitting on my sister's lap, just terrified. My mom packed us a lunch. It took two days to get there. And it was scary because the people that ride buses are scary-ish. No, I, I get so. it. You, uh, you, can, you can meet some lovely halitosis and BO on the bus sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Crack a window, please. All right. That's wild. And how long were you guys scattered for? It was several months because I remember she sent us there in the summertime and I remember starting school and going, going to kindergarten there. Right. So it was, it was really, it was terrible. And I remember one time I got together with my sister who's two years older. They, my cousin and my aunt got got us together so that we could have a play date. And I remember seeing my sister and just hugging her and crying and so happy to see my, my sister. Right. Right. And so your mom spent a couple of months having this nervous breakdown, whatever that means. And then you guys kind of got pulled back together. Yeah. I, I can't remember the circumstances or how, how we got back home, I think we flew home or something like that. And then, um, 
and then there was a new there was a new dad. But what, what happened to your bio dad though? He he was remarried, and yeah, that's a good question. I don't know why he. Well, he was married to. I mean, he seemed to... like a bit of an obvious choice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, but he he was remarried to. I used to call her my step monster. Um, well, he married he your was... mom, so he's not going to yeah. have the greatest taste in women without a lot of self work, right? That's true. She was the meanest lady, just a terribly mean person, and we we were never allowed to go to their house. And she had three kids that lived with them, so. Um, you know, there would have been no room for us. And, and, and like I said, we weren't allowed to go over there. So he, he couldn't take us. Wait, that's, uh, we weren't allowed. He couldn't. Well, what it means is that he didn't fight for you enough, right? Yeah. You weren't worth crossing his wife for, right? Yeah, I for oh, which I'm sorry. I, I that's a that's a terrible that. statement. I, that's a ter he could have come on. I mean, he's got custody. I mean, he, and and certainly when your mom had the oh, nervous breakdown, whatever it was, right? When she had yeah. the you know self drama, uh, because of course you know splitting up your kids, like if they've been attacked by a pedophile, then sending them across country unattended to new households is only adding to the trauma, right? So this is not about what's best for her kids. This is just, oh, you know, the Victorian fainting couch bullshit drama stuff. Yeah. And so if your bio dad knew about all of this, which he should, because he should know what the hell's going on with his kid's life, then of course he should have you come to his house, right? But it's like, oh, my wife's going to get mad. Okay, fine. Send her off on the Greyhound. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. God. I, man, Sorry for I, the mild cussing, but I mean, it's like, this is quite no, a story. I can't. I've never even thought about my dad. Why, why didn't he take us? Well, I, I think you have deep down, which is why you're feeling strongly about it now, right? So why didn't he take you? What, did, was he the bio of your other, like how many of your other siblings? Yeah, we all five of us are from one dad, amazingly enough. Yeah, and I never asked him that. He passed away a, a couple of years ago. I never asked him, why didn't you take us? Because that shipping us off to the other state was a very traumatic thing, and that well, you I don't know like how long it's going to be. You don't know when you're coming back. Like adults have all of these plans that they almost never communicate to kids, and the kids are yeah. just kind of stumbling along day by day. And I'm I'm trying not to make this about me, but I can't help but notice some overlap. Like my parents split up when I was very young, and my mom was in hospital after I was born with depression for for months. And then I had kindergarten at my aunt's. I, I was enrolled in kindergarten. I went to kindergarten with my cousin at my aunt's place for reasons I have no idea about. I assume she'd just fallen apart in some dramatic way again. But I just, I can kind of track some of this stuff. And in terms of just being stuck on buses and go here and go there and never having any clue what the hell was going on. You know, it's like that old song, you know, like wherever I lay my hat, that's my home. And it's like, that's your life. You're just like a, a nomad from couch to couch. Oh, and you, you have no idea. <laughs> just that was my life. So when we got back from, when we got back from there and, and went back home, it, there was the new dad and that dad 
was my dad for nine years and we moved all over. Just, I went to three different schools a year until I was a year. Yes. And I am, I'm not exaggerating. We moved so often and it was always running from bill collectors. And so, yeah, I know what the, the nomad lifestyle is like. Well, also, you, when, you, when you have a terrible family secret like this, Julie, like when the children, you guys are like live grenades in the minds of your mom because you have the secret of having been molested. Now, your mother, I assume, given how much she's into famous people, is obsessed with status, and this is often the case with this type of personality. They don't have connections with actual human beings. They only have connections to social status, which is quite the opposite. And what happens is you, there's this constant terror and anxiety that you kids are going to get friends and you're going to see normal families and you're going to have connections and you're going to talk and you might spill the beans about what went on. And then the whole status evaporates. You gotta, you gotta be kept in motion so you don't form the kind of attachments Wow! that yeah. will give you the capacity to share your secrets, which is, you know, to some, I mean, this is what you and I are doing right now. I mean, we're both, I'm saying things I've never talked about on the show before you were talking about. So we are having, and this is probably why it was emotional for you to even consider this call because you have a lot of bombs in your brain saying, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. You must take the secret with yeah, you to the grave true. because it harms your mother's status. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, you know, I think that very well could be it. And also the fact that, uh, so my stepdad that raised me mostly for the nine years, he was 21 years old when my mom married him. Ah. She was 32 with five kids. Blah. And he, he, it was, it was very challenging for him to, to make a living and to support us. And so you that's why we he's moved 21. That's a, that's a lot of night shifts at the Esso station. I'll tell you that right now. Oh my God. How pretty was he? How pretty was she? Come on, let's start with this. Um, my mom is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you can it. You can it. I mean, I've seen your picture. You're very attractive yourself, of course. But uh, your yeah, your mom was a looker and a half, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but she she was she was chunky though. She got chunky. I mean, when she was a teenager, I look at her pictures and I think, whoa, she was beautiful. But but she she got a little porky after my dad, I think, and um. So, you know, it wasn't like she was this total 10 when, when she married the, the fourth guy. Okay, um, like, so the fourth guy is a 21-year-old? Yes. Okay, uh -huh. so bi there's bio dad, there's pedo step, there's yep. mystery guy, and then 21-year-old. I I um, I'm sorry if I missed the mystery guy. No. Okay, um, no, no mystery guy. Nope. Um, the fifth guy is on the end, so... Um, no, but I'm just trying to get the sequence. So, bio dad, pedo, step, X, I don't remember him, if you mentioned him, and then 21-year-old, and then guy five. So, who's three? Um, 
three is actually the pedophile. Oh, okay, sorry. Guy, bio dad, pedo dad, 21 year old, and then a guy we'll get to. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Sorry about that. I just want to make sure I get this dominoes in my brain. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was around for uh, nine, nine years? Yes. Yeah. So I say my form, formidable years. So formative. He, my, yeah. So. I, I like what you said, though, formidable years, because it probably was quite true as well. Five years old. And then um, he left. He went to change the tires when I was in ninth grade. And he never came back. What? Yeah. Yeah, but you ever hear that song, Hungry Heart? Yes. Got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride and I never, and went, never went, back. went back. That's like, boom, right there. Yeah. That's always been a haunting line for me, that song. Oh, wow. I never, I never thought about that i don't listen to lyrics i don't oh no you gotta listen to that lot. song and the way because you know bruce springsteen has spent his entire life being vaguely depressed about the american dream and the way he sings yes. that it's it's he got away he just took a wrong turn he uh, got a wife and kids in baltimore jack i went out for a ride and i never went back I never went like back. a river that don't know where it's going i took a wrong turn like a river that don't know where it's flowing i took a wrong turn and i just kept going just boom just oh, drive right out of your life whim Wow. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that was very, that was, that was terrible. When he left, our, we just fell apart. It was so terrible because we really loved him. He was actually a very nice man. Right. And right. so, so many people talk to my siblings and I and they go, how did you guys turn it out so well? And my oldest sister is convinced it's because of him because he was actually a really nice man and um, he just couldn't take my mom anymore. Well, you, was... you, you got some great lessons from him, but you didn't get the greatest lesson from him. Yeah. What yeah. was the greatest lesson? I know. What was the greatest lesson you needed to get from him? <laughs> uh, don't, don't leave your family high and dry. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, okay. What was the greatest lesson that I got from him or I should no, have gotten no, from the, him? No, so you got a lot of great lessons from him. Because he was a nice guy, uh -huh. I assume reasonable guy, treated you well and, and all of that. So uh -huh. you got a lot of great lessons from him. Mm -hmm. But if you'd gotten the greatest lesson from him, well, I'm happy you're having this call, but you wouldn't need this call if you'd gotten the greatest lesson from him. Oh. Because what did he do? He got out. Yeah. That was the greatest lesson. Oh. <laughs> nice people get away from her. Oh, wow. See what I'm saying? Oh, my. Yeah. Oh That's my his word. greatest lesson. Now, he couldn't articulate that to you because you were still kids. And I guess he never did since. I assume he's still alive. But that's the greatest lesson. It's like I, I couldn't take it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't spoken to him. It, it, it was I heard through the grapevine that it was too hard for he thought it would we would be better off without him and that's why he just disappeared yeah yeah try and get in touch with him if i mean if you have the opportunity or or the you can find a way to trace him It'd be quite fascinating yeah i i can't i just i can't talk to him huh what do you mean well i don't i just don't want to i i just think what he did was so 
hurtful, so low. I, I don't, I don't want to talk to him. Well, I know what you mean, but he may have his reasons that may be helpful to you. Yeah. Yeah. She might have had an affair. She might have oh, lied no. about something no. horrendous. She, I mean, it, it may be that, that, but if he was a nice guy and he got out and he was bonded with you guys over nine years. Now, I guess if he'd been a really, really nice guy, he would have found you and explained himself when he got older. That's an important True. thing, right? To, to, but I think, anyway, I don't want to, obviously tell you how to live your life, but I'm rapidly curious about childhood stuff, and I spent a lot of time excavating it in my 20s and early 30s. But, um, all right, so then I, I assume your mom was not exactly single for a long time. Uh, she just gets the next fix, no. right? Yeah, she, so then she got married the week that I turned 16. So, so maybe two years she was single. Let's see. No, no, like a year and a half probably. Well, and that just means not married, doesn't necessarily mean single, right? Um, well, I, she, didn't, she didn't date in between. Actually, no, she dated one other person in between um, my nine-year stepdad and, and then my stepdad, the, the latest, the one that she ended up being married to for 30 years. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, she just jumped right into that marriage. She dated him for a week and they got married. Wait, is this number five? Yeah, number five, yep. And this is the one that took, right? Yes. And, and how and how it, old was she, oh, or, or what decade was she in when she married the last guy? She was in her 40s. Right, okay. So she hit the wall. She can't turn the trick as much anymore. And so she's got to stick to the last guy, right? Yeah. Right. And not not without leaving him many times until it got to the point where she was desperate and she stayed. So for the first 20 years of that marriage, it was a joke. It was a total joke. Just her backstabbing him, talking about him behind his back, trying to leave him. One time she, she charged $15,000 worth of, this is back in the eighties, $15,000 worth of household goods so that she could start all over. And she bought this stuff on his credit card secretively got a U-Haul, put all the new stuff in the U-Haul and then just vanished and, and took off. And he didn't know where she went. And of course he tracked her down, flew out where she was and drove her back home. So she tried to leave him <laughs> many <Wow>. times. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I mean, he, if you want to leave someone, you just leave them. No, she was bullying him. She wanted something or wanted control or wanted to establish that she didn't need him as much as he needed her because she has no capacity to negotiate. So all she can do is dominate, right? Yeah. Well, and they, they shouldn't have gotten married. Like I said, they dated for a week yeah. and then it was long distance. And then they got back together when they got married. And so they should never have gotten married, but he was the kind of guy that took it seriously. And so he made it work. And, and by the end, the, the last eight years, she was totally dependent on him because she became um, addicted to painkillers and he was, he was an enabler. And so, so then she loved him. Well, and no, I, she loved I, the pills. He was the methodology right. by which she got them or got sustained through her addiction. Well, I right? meant to put, 
I meant to put the little air quotes around oh, yeah, love. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so I just have a lot of resentment and just, oh, just, <laughs> I've got so many stories. <laughs> and it just so much hurt and uh, just disregard, you know, the 18 years that we lived in the same state, less than an hour away from each other, or when the time when I was raising my five children, just total disregard with, with my family. And it, it was unbelievable to me because I have really, I have wonderful children and they, they are worth spending time with. Right. Oh yeah. No, I I get that. Anyone who's not interested in my child, sorry. I got no interest in you. Like, sorry, (laughs) that's my life. Right. I mean, my, like they, they can even not be that interested in philosophy. That's fine. But if they're not interested in my kid, ah, sorry. Okay, I got no yeah. time for you. Uh, but what she do, says, uh, she's like, oh, I love my grandchildren. She's, and she'll talk, you know, her sister that has the famous son, she brags about us all, about brags about her grandchildren. And and it's like, seriously? You haven't seen them in years. Well, and that's the terrible thing is she knows exactly how to be a good person and what a good person does. She just won't do it. Like, she's not insane insofar as, oh, yes, a good grandmother cares about her grandchildren. I know that's what the earthly people with the flesh suits do. I just can't get around to doing it. But I know that that's what they do. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. You're so right. That's that's her to a T. Oh, yeah. No, my my mother knows exactly how to imitate a decent human being. She's very good at at, at, um, (laughs) I mean, she has the same relationship to a decent human being as one of those little dog shadows you could make on the wall has to an actual canine, but she knows exactly what they look like because when we're out in public, you know, she's very charismatic. She's very charming. It's just, you know, in private, you know, comes out, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde shit comes out. Um, so no, she's very good at simulating a decent human being. Uh, just can't, can't maintain it when the uh, outside eyeballs are turned off. Yeah. But what's so weird stuff is I love my mom so much and I'm sorry, you what now? I love my mom so much. Wait, was it, that in it, wait, was that in the present tense? No. I mean, yes, yes, it is. Okay, what? I, I do. I, I Oh, love you were just you, you 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 just dropped that like it was no thing at all. Well, okay. <laughs> she invited a pedophile into my house. Oh yeah, she did have a nervous breakdown and wasn't there for me and the, and, and it subjected me to additional trauma and she's taken no interest in my kids whatsoever and she's selfish and she's destructive and she's mean and she breaks men's backbones and balls on a regular basis but i love her huh you just drop that in like well of course i love her i i, I like when she's hurting i hurt i so no, 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 no. codependent i, I, I get <laughs> fusion i get lack of identity lack of separation lack of boundaries i get all of that but you're gonna have to walk me through the whole love argument here i don't get that at all really well you know i don't know if you've read any of my stuff but love is our involuntary relationship to virtue it's our involuntary response to virtue if we're virtuous, right? Now, you're a virtuous woman. You, mm-hmm. You've raised great kids. You, you care. You're thoughtful. So tell me the virtues 
that you're responding to in your mom, that you use the same, you know, there's this old thing where somebody says some horrible swear word, you know, like, like Anthony Robbins in your after seminar, he just like some horrible swear word, right? And then people say, mm -hmm. you kiss your mom, but that mouth, right? So to me, I'm always like, wait, you love your kids, right, Julie? So you use that same word with your mom, like that same oh. word with your kids and your mom? Like, what do you, what? Oh. You can't oh, use the same word. <laughs> well, can, can I, let me tell you what my mom used to say when my brother was a teenager. I only have one brother and he was being a stinky teenager and she'd say, I, I love him, but I don't like him. And so. Yeah, I've heard that before too. Okay. Just, I love you. I'm just not in love. Okay. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> so I don't. No, I just tell, tell me the virtues that you love in her. What are the positives? What are the pluses um, that, that you, that, that okay. bring this feeling of love? Um, well, when I was a kid and went through all the crap that I went through, that she put you I through, remember, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when I, when I first met my husband, I was only 19 years old. Um, and we'd talk about it and I'd say, you know, even though my life was so chaotic and really, really unpredictable, I always felt loved. So I think my mom, she would hug me. She, she was never, um, you know, she didn't abuse me. She spanked me, of course, because that's, that's what people did back in those days. Um, but she never hit me anywhere except on my bottom. And, um, so I, I, I don't think she was abusive or anything. And she always told me she loved me. She hugged me. Um, and I felt love from her, even though I was a stressed out little kid. Cause I was always worried about if we were going to move in the middle of the night again, or, uh, just the stability trying to, Oh, we moved somewhere else. I got to make friends. I got to try and be happy. And did she ever ask you what you wanted out of your childhood or no. whether you were happy with the decisions that she was making? No, she, Oh, she made me so sad. So many times, like my sister and I, we were into cheerleading and, um, we'd, my, we'd make it on the team and go to the camp. You know, you'd have to go to the summer camp to get trained for the new school year. And then we would leave. We'd, we'd move before we'd even get to be on the squad. And did she ever, go. um, run stepdads past you to get your thoughts and perspectives on whether you wanted them in the house? No, no. When she married the last stepdad, the week after I turned 16, I was so afraid of him. And Wait, wait, uh, why were you afraid of him, Julie? Because, so remember how I said they dated for a week and it was out of state. And then when she, when, when she came back to where we lived, they broke up for a time, long distance broke up. And she told me why. And she said, because he had had an affair with his niece who was my age. And, and then all of a sudden, a couple months later, she married him. Wait, so, so she, she basically was saying that she was going to marry another pedophile. Yes. And she didn't, she didn't explain to me like, oh, it wasn't true or anything. It's just, wait, oh, did you ever what? find out if it was or wasn't true? I, 
um, it, it was never made clear to me. I think my mom kind of tap danced around it but, when but I she asked knew, about she it. Knew, she knew you'd already been attacked by a pedophile when you were two or three years old, right? Yes. Okay, I'm trying to figure this. How the hell do you end up feeling loved from this sort of stuff, where she's dropping <laughs> another pedo bomb on you? Oh, yeah, I'm going to bring another pedophile into the house when she gets back together with the guy, even though she knows your history with the last pedophile she brought into the house. Where, 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 where is all that? Okay, she hugs. Oh yeah, fine. You know, you can you can pay a robot to hug you if you want. You can get a hug from a massage parlor. Like, where, where's the actual concern and thought and care and curiosity for you as an individual and what your preferences are? I I know. I mean, when when you when you spell it out like that, it it totally it totally makes sense. Like, why would I love that? And and to be honest, I, it's, it's hurt me so bad. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to call it her birthday party. She has hurt me and hurt me and hurt me so for so many years. Yes. And I don't want to go to the stupid birthday party for her. Well, not only do you not want to go, in my opinion, Julie, you damn well shouldn't because it's a sin to go. It's a sin to go. You're, you're a Christian, but right? I, I, I am, okay. and I, I'm very devout. Okay, and I'm, I'm, listen, I'm going to put on, I was raised a Christian, and I am going to talk to you, Christian to Christian here for a moment, all right? Okay, I appreciate that. Because, all right, yes, listen, I, listen up. Yes. My favorite, absolute favorite commandment, the one I live every day by, Mm-hmm. It's not thou shalt not kill, because I'm not itching to go kill a lot of people. It's not thou shalt not steal, because I don't feel like knocking over a right. bank or a convenience store at any particular time of the day. The, the, my favorite commandment and the toughest commandment is this. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Yes. You tell me you love your mother, that's a sin. Because you are bearing false witness. You go to that birthday party, in my opinion, that's a sin because you are bearing false witness. You are giving aid and succor to unrepentant immorality. You want to forgive? Great. Forgiveness has to be earned. Jesus requires that you earn forgiveness. Yeah. If you don't earn forgiveness, I think you and I both know where you end up. It is bearing false witness to have experienced such horrendous levels of abuse and maltreatment. You tell me your mother didn't abuse you? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course she did. She neglected. She yanked you around. She brought pedophiles into the house. She did not ask you what you wanted. She lived selfishly. She sent you off on a Greyhound bus to live with strangers. She didn't keep a relationship open with you. She didn't fight for you with your biological dad to make sure he kept his relationship with you alive. She threatened by you with bringing another pedophile into the house, saying that he had an affair with a relation the same age as you. She neglected your children. She lies constantly. Yeah. Are you kidding me? A hug, <laughs> and I love you with no actual 
manifestation. Anyone can say I love you. Actors say it very convincingly straight to a camera and make people cry all the time. Anyone can say those words. The words are easy. It's as easy as saying I'm a Christian. <laughs> but it's yeah. a little bit different to actually walk yeah. the walk, right? Yeah. And what has she done that is loving towards you? So that is my biggest and, and most important commandment. And it is the one that I still commit to every day. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, when you're a child, it is very dangerous to avoid bearing false witness because you can be enormously punished uh, and, and put in danger, sometimes physical, sometimes psychological, sometimes both, for the simple act of telling the truth. It is very risky and very dangerous. And when you become an adult, though, it becomes more tricky. But there are a lot of people who want you to maintain the falsehood for their own particular purposes and reasons. So this is the great challenge, I think, of morality, which is what does it mean to not bear false witness? Well, obviously, it means to tell the truth. But it's very hard to tell the truth when a lot of people will punish you for it. And a lot of people, sometimes siblings, other family members, will take over from the abusive parent and punish you for telling the truth because they don't want to face the truth in themselves. And then what happens is, if you wait too long, and you haven't waited too long, but if you wait too long, what happens is your mother gets old. You know, she's 80. And so yeah. it becomes tougher and tougher to tell the truth because it's like, well, you know, she's in her declining years and, and what's the point now? And, you know, she's not going to live forever and all of that. But I, I do think that it is pretty essential. And it seems to me that a lot of the impetus, Julie, for you telling the truth, for not succumbing to the sin of bearing false witness is coming from your kids. Oh, are we back? I think I, I think I lost you there for a sec. Are you back? AirPods were not working. Oh, I'm is they not working? Yeah, they're not working. Uh, do you want to switch back? Yeah, I I put my other headset back on. Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. We can. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we can, that's fine. That's fine. Just, yeah, just try not to move around too much. Uh, okay. Did you do you want me to repeat what I said? No, I, I heard what you said. Okay. I, I don't, should I tell her that I don't love her? I mean, that just seems like a terrible thing to say to her. Well, let me ask you this. What do you get from thou shalt not bear false witness <laughs> with regards to this? You know, one of the virtues that my mother always well one of one of the most important things that my mom taught me was don't ever lie and that was her big deal and it was so funny we used me and my sister always crack up about it because she'd always have us lie like if a bill collector would call she would say if, and if we answered the phone tell them i'm not here and and we'd have to lie about other things to cover her tracks. But she always taught us, you know, don't ever lie. You know, that's no, like she just means don't ever lie to me. 
Not, not don't yeah. ever lie as a universal value, right? Oh. Because, <laughs> you know, it's complicated raising kids if they're lying to you and following your own behavior. See, this is the thing. You can either model, you know this as a parent, right? You model great behavior with your kids. You're honest and you're, you're forthright and you're courageous and all of that. If you model good behavior with your kids, then you don't need to nag them to be good. Like, if you just speak English to your kids, guess they're going to grow up speaking English. It's not that complicated, right? Right, but if you model right. terrible behavior to your children, it's really inconvenient if they model that behavior back to you. In other words, if they do yeah. what you if if they do what you do rather than what you say, it's really really complicated. So you have to tell them to obey the virtues that make it easier for you as a parent without actually having to become a better person. That's typical for abusive parents, right? Do as I say, not as I do. Not as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, of course, she doesn't want you. To tell the truth, because I don't know, like, I don't want to say you don't love your mom. I mean, I, I can't comprehend how you can love someone like that. But I'm, you know, may, maybe you're like Mother Teresa. You love the Jesus in the poor and you love the soul in your mom or you love the, the better mom in your mom or something like that. But as far as her actual behavior, I mean, let, let me ask you this, just to sort of put this in context, right? Okay. So you have a son. He's not married, right? Right. Is he dating someone at the moment? He. he Yes. Okay. So imagine this. Imagine your son is dating a woman just like your mom. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> Seriously. And then he says to you, but mom, I love her. What would you say? I, w I would tell him everything. I would tell him, no, you cannot. And I would lay out everything in front of him. This, this, and this, and this are wrong. You can't. Do this. You have to no, stop No, 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 but he says, I love her. Uh, I, what would you say? How can you say, argue with love? Yeah. <laughs> Mom, I, I love her. <laughs> then you have, you're going to have a long road ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> that's what I'd say. That's not, yeah, no, but that's not clear enough, right? right? Right. Right, that's not clear enough. What would you have to say if he said... That that's not love, right? And I'd have to explain what love is and what infatuation is, right? Now you and I both know that a lot of people mistake sexual desire for love, right? Yeah. And if she's really good in bed, that can turn a head's a man's head, so to speak, right? Oh, I love her. It's like no, right. no, you just you, <laughs> she's good in bed. Like I hate to be sort of coarse, and I hate to talk about this stuff with regards to your son. But the reason I'm saying this is that if, if we understand that men and women can get an artificial kind of hysterical bonding through sexuality, in the same way, we get a dependence bond with our parents. Now, mm -hmm. a sexual bond, if it's really powerful, eclipses immorality on the part of the, the other person, right? In the same way that physical mm -hmm. beauty can do it, or great wealth, or great fame can do it. And we all know we, your mom has susceptibility to great fame, right? Though to people yes. who are famous. So with our, with our parents, we have this absolute biological commandment to please them, and to get along with them, and perhaps even to worship them, to do whatever they need us to do. Mm -hmm. Because if we lose that bond, remember, I mean, throughout most of our history as a species... There wasn't a whole lot of food. And there was a lot of danger 
out there from wild animals and other tribes and war. And, 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 and if you displeased your parents, you, you, you know, you probably wouldn't make it. Yeah, you die. Well, yeah. I mean, they might abandon you. They might just not take much care of you. They might just not make sure they know where you are at all. It's like just carelessness. You know, it, even if it increases your odds of not making it by 10 or 20 percent, boy, that's enough. That's enough. The, the, the people, the kids who didn't care about pleasing their parents, yeah, they didn't. <laughs> Let's just say they didn't pass a lot of those not caring genes along, right? So, yeah. so we all desperately want to please our parents. And we're constantly scanning them and trying to figure out what they want, what's going to make them happy, what's going to make us valuable to them in some manner. Now, for you, it was compliance and enabling and lying and not complaining and just going with things. Like, you didn't put up... I mean, I tell you this, I try to put my daughter on a bus for two days. She's going to claw her way out of that bus. And I'm like, she, <laughs> like, she'll not have it. She would not have it. It would not happen. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. E ever. Now you, and, and I know this because it was me too, right? It was me too. My mom's like, we're going to move to Canada. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why the hell we're going to Canada. I mean, I know now that I had to be moved to Canada because I was getting dangerously close to talking about the abuse at home. So I had to get to a whole new country and whole new people and disoriented and, and have to make new friends and, and have to start from scratch and don't want to be the guy who complains about his family to like to the new friends. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. I get it all now. Yeah. And, and this fantasy that if you just go someplace new, somehow you are not there, <laughs> you're a different person, you know, like, like this. And so you had a particular requirement on the part of your mother that you suspend all judgment with her. You do not ever criticize her. You do not ever, ever show up in an honest emotional fashion and give her genuine feedback about your experience of her as a mother. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Right. Totally. Right. Now, being honest with your mother. Now, not bearing false witness to me does not mean that you go and, and blarp your truth into everyone's face, right? I mean, to me, right. that's like the not bearing false witness is not your relationship to others. It is your relationship to the truth. And you okay. can hold a truth without telling others. But the important thing is that you know what the truth is. Then you can make that decision or however it works with others, right? I'm not calling, right. I haven't talked to my mom in like 15 years. I don't call her up and say, here's another thing I'm mad about, or here's another thing I thought about yesterday, or here's something okay. I've forgiven you about. I know the yeah. truth about my history. I know the truth about my history. And I tell you, let me tell you something. So I went uh, just the other day, I went to a, a, a fun fair with my daughter. Now, she's pretty fearless when it comes to these, you know, these, these rides that, that throw you around like you're like the end of a fishing lure and you're just whipping all over the place and stuff like that, right? I don't mind them too much. But it's easy for me to get kind of overwhelmed with the sense mm -hmm. of physical danger, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas my daughter says, woo, your hands up, your hands up, daddy. He's like, no, no, I'll, I'll be on the <laughs> ride, but I'm not putting my hands up. And we were on our way back to the car and, and 
we were talking about the rides. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you came on the ride with me and, and, and all that. But, you know, you didn't put your hands up and said, look, you know, like I, I, I love the fact that, that you're real comfortable with, with these rides and that you love them and all. I think it's wonderful. But I said, you know, like I don't talk about this stuff too much. But when I was a kid, I was in, in, in grave physical danger. Like I was worried about being hurt physically by my mother, right? So for me, I can't just throw myself into situations that remind me of physical danger and just have a great time. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, now you are not in physical danger. You've never had anyone say a harsh word to you as far as I can tell. And so you can throw yourself into this because it's foreign and it's cool and it's exciting and it's fun. Whereas for me, it evokes memories of physical danger when I was a child. So there's only a certain amount of fun I can get out of it. And after that, it just starts to feel kind of vaguely threatening, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to sit there and detail her with, with her, like everything that happened or anything like that. But I'm also yeah. like, I know the truth about why these rides are challenging for me. And, you know, some of them it's fun, you know, but it's not something I would really pursue outside of being a dad. Right. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, but I'm not calling up with my mom and saying, you're the reason I can't enjoy a roller coaster. You know, like I, right. I, I know yeah. the truth about it. I'm not, I'm not bearing false witness to myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not bearing false witness to myself. And that's the important aspect. Because what we do so often is we paralyze ourselves with consequentialism. Now, I'm here to tell you straight up, Julie, when you know the truth about your mom, it does not command you to do anything. Mm -hmm. Right? Thou shalt not bear false witness does not mean that you've got to hire skywriters over your town to write the truth about your history. It doesn't mean you have to do a podcast. It doesn't mean you, you have to paint pictures or, or write a blog or anything like that. Thou shalt mm -hmm. not bear false witness means just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to know the truth in order to tell the truth, which means you have to tell the truth to yourself first. But what we do is we say, well, I can't tell the truth to myself, because if I tell the truth to myself, I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and I have, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if I, if I go to my mom, oh, if I learn the truth about my relationship with my mom, or if I learn that I don't love my mom, whatever happens, then I have to go and tell my mom, and then what's going to happen is my siblings are going to get upset, and there's going to be all this chaos, and there's going to be all this mess, and it's going to be really stressful, and I won't be able to sleep. And we scare ourselves away from the truth, because we imagine the truth is flicking one domino that leads to, like, entire cities falling over. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the commandment says. The commandment doesn't say, thou shalt not bear false witness, and this means you have to tell this person and this person, and even if they're... It just means tell the truth yeah. to yourself, right? So you, yeah. you, if the truth led nowhere, like if you knowing the truth did not command any action on your behalf, it did not command you to do anything, then the truth would be a lot easier to approach, Right. Yeah. Like if the truth meant you, you could go to your mother's 80th birthday party while knowing the absolute truth about your relationship with your mother. Mm -hmm. What's traumatic is not knowing the truth, not whether you go to the birthday party or not. I kind of don't know what you mean just there. Sure, sure.
when you were a child, knowing the truth would have made your life unbearable. Mm-hmm. Because it would have meant that you, 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 you would get no protection from your mother. And you would also know consciously that you couldn't tell the truth because your mother would attack you or you would fear would uh, abandon you or she might have another nervous breakdown, whatever that is. And, and then you shift yeah. off to some other place. Like, so you couldn't, you couldn't tell the truth to your mom. You could say, I hate your husbands, or I hate my stepdads, or I hate the way that we're just dragged around from place to place, or I hate the way that you make me lie to bill collectors, or, and it's so ridiculously hypocritical, hypocritical that you, you demand I tell the truth and then command me to lie. Yeah. You couldn't say that, right? Now, why couldn't you say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, we'd, we'd get in trouble. Like, how dare you talk to me that way? You're, you're supposed to be respectful, because we had to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and... Um, you know, you don't talk to your, your mother that way and never facing the truth. It's just, you're being disrespectful. Now, would she actually Not, say it that way? Sorry to interrupt after I just asked you a question, because it's really, really yes. important the way that people talk. Did she say you don't talk to your mother that way? Yes. Right. Now, why didn't she say you don't talk to me that way? I don't know. I can tell you why. Because she's invoking the category of mother rather than her own personal manifestation of that category. Oh, wow. Um, dads do this all the time, too, right? You don't talk to your mother that way, as opposed mm-hmm. to you don't talk to my wife or the, her. Yeah. or Like, they always invoke this category called mother, and that's a way to evoke that response, which is if someone says to you, you don't talk to your mother that way, what they're really saying to you is, I won't be your mother if you talk to me that way. Oh, wow. It's a direct threat of of breaking the bond, which is a death threat against a child, fundamentally. And I'm not saying this is conscious, but any time a parent says, continue in this way and the bond is broken, it's a death threat against a child. That's how we experience it fundamentally, because that's Mm -hmm. what historically it always was, or generally was. Mm -hmm. So she says, you don't talk to your mother that way. And also, she can't say, you don't talk to me that way, because then you could say, well, you talk to me that way. She has to say, you don't oh. talk to your mother that way, because you can't say, well, I'm a mother too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's got a category well, called mother that you have to respect and, and, and not talk to a certain way. And then she says, well, I mean, I'm in that category and you're not. So it's, yeah. a, it's a clear hypocrisy. I, I would never say to my daughter, well... You can't talk to me that way, or you can't talk to your father that way. Or, or like, she would look at me like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> There's not a well, category called father. There's a person there. Well, to me, it, it kind of feels like when you say it that way, you, you don't talk to your mother that way. It's like this is the rule book. This is in life. This is what a child is not supposed to do. So it seems more authoritarian. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. So. So, but yeah, she's not and, appealing to virtue; she's appealing to authority. Oh, right. right? Because yeah. the virtue is, yeah, the virtue is. I don't know. Would the virtue be something like, don't talk to people in a way that hurts them or upsets them or makes them angry or something like? Would, would the, what would, would the, what would the rule be that she would create around that that sort of statement? Um, like what would 
what would be the yeah so what is the rule right like i mean say don't talk to your mother that way well what what is the what is the abstract moral rule that she might be invoking there um maybe i i don't know but it's important right yeah it is important so i'm trying to put myself in her mind is it don't be disrespectful yeah, probably so. Okay, so yeah, that means just, you have to treat everyone in the family with respect. Is she treating you with respect? No, never. Right. So, so this is this is the question. What is the moral rule that the parental statements contain? And why is it never made explicit? Well, it's never made explicit because then they can't be hypocritical, right? Well, yeah, and well, and she never she never ever says that she's wrong about stuff, and so for her, it's like, I can never be proven wrong. I never, I don't want anyone to tell me that you're not doing this right or what you're doing is bad. I have to be right all the time. And so that's why I'm enforced. That's why I enforce this. I mean, just in her subconscious mind, I'm sure that's what's going on. Right. Now, of course, the counter argument to that is five husbands. <laughs> no, really. Uh, you know, it's pretty important yeah. whether you choose someone you can stand to live with or not, or whether you can choose someone who's going to be good to your kids. So if you want, if your mom wants to say, well, uh, explicitly or implicitly, well, I'm always right, the counter argument to that is, yeah, five husbands. Yeah. How, yeah. how, how good were you at, cho- oh, oh and, and one who was a pedophile, the other one seems to be a pedophile. Because mm-hmm. he talked about having an affair with his 15-year-old niece. Yeah. Incestuous <laughs> and a pedophile. That's two. That's the one-two punch of God help me oh, if this guy gets oh, in the house, right? It's, oh, it's so awful. It is. It and, is beyond awful. And the is, fact that she it, would tell you oh. that. And she probably, you know what the funny thing is? And I say this, with, it's not at all funny. But the strange thing, Julie, is that your mother probably did not even make that connection consciously about how terrifying that would be for you. Oh, I know. Like she doesn't Just, even care about I you know. enough to know that that would be terrifying for you. I, I, I have thought that myself. And since I have children, I've raised my kids. And I remember thinking, I, I cannot fathom bringing home a, a strange man to, to my home that my kids were told, oh, he, he did this to his niece. Yeah. And then just bringing them into my home. Oh, here's, here's your new dad. It just, it sickens me thinking about that. I would never do that. And, and that's why I was earlier saying the disregard that she has had for me. And what's so weird is, you know, she's like, oh, I love you. You're, you're this and that you're wonderful. I just love my grandkids. And it's like, really? You, you love, you love me. You care about me because I haven't really seen that. Right. And, and the thing is, is this is what's weird is I have never, ever had an argument with my mom. I've never, um, been able to discuss anything with her, any like friction, like, oh, this, this is, this thing happened and I need to talk about this with you because she'll just hang up on the phone or if, if we're in person, she'll walk out of the room and like, what did I ever do to deserve this? And, <laughs> oh, there's a question. All do you right. want to hear do you Okay, hear Mom, that we're taking volume one down from the bookcase of infinity. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So I, I am terrified of like, if she says, why aren't you coming to my party? I would, the old Julie, hopefully I can now, but I would say, I would, I would tell her, um, I don't know what I would say with, I, no, I don't but see, know what see, I would say. No, 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 hang on. No, no, hang on. This is, but this is where the consequentialism comes into play. And this is how you paralyze yourself. Why do you even need to have that conversation with your mom? You don't owe her that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. But what I was playing in my mind, what if she asked me, why aren't you coming? No, no, but why would you even need to talk to her? Um, like, I'm just, well, I'm, not, I'm just, theoretically, you could just not go. And then if she calls, just don't pick up. Like, why, why oh, do you need to have any of that true. conversation with her? That's true. Because what happens is you say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to say this. And then she's, oh, it's just easier to go. Yeah. And that's how you end up bearing false witness is you say, well, like, yeah. because you cannot, listen, you cannot successfully confront a narcissistic parent. You cannot. True. You, it, it, yeah. it, it, I can't do it. Like, there's a reason I don't talk to my mom. It's because I can't ever win. Yeah, and why would true. I want to put myself in a situation where I'm continually compromised, where I continually re-expose myself to that kind of abuse, to that kind of toxicity, when I can never, ever possibly win? Yes. I'll tell you, yeah. this is the last time that I saw my mom. So we were at a relative's place. And she was telling me all about how she was suing the doctors. And this has been going on for decades and I listened for, I don't know, for about, I don't know, 40 or 45 minutes. And then I said this. I said, Mom, I know this court case is really, really important to you. This has been going on for a long time. But I don't really, to be honest, I'm, I have a tough time following it. And let me tell you, here's the issue I have. The issue I have is that it feels like this is kind of all we talk about. And I'd like to know other things that might be happening in your life. I'd like to have the opportunity to have conversations that aren't just about this. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not me saying, listen, you crazy bat. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, you yeah. know, that's a reasonable right, right. thing to say. I have, a, I have a mild preference that we talk about some other things from time to time. That's all, right? right? Mm -hmm. And she just hit the roof, right? She just like, she was screaming. She was throwing cushions around. She was throwing herself on the couch. And now I'm an enemy and I'm in league with the insurance companies and I, I'm taking their side and I don't care. Like, and it's just like, okay, I get it now. I finally get it. I finally get it. I can't even have 1% of a preference with this woman. Yeah. Wow. I can't even have a mild preference that goes against what she bloody well wants to do when she's with me. I appreciate you telling me that story so much. Because I have had almost the same thing. One time I did have a little courage to say, Mom, can we not talk about that? Because she likes to talk about her past when she was a teenager and mm. um, how everybody was mean to her. And, and like bad-mouthing my uncle who was killed in Vietnam. No, 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 not him. Um, somebody else. Um, and just like you, you know, say it in a kind way. Can we talk about something Perfectly else? Perfectly reasonable. And yeah, right? and yeah, and then hit the fan and yeah like 
what you want in the conversation doesn't matter. No. It's all one-sided. So, yeah. So she has the same so relationship that... to me as a cat has with a scratching post. Oh, right now, listen, the cat doesn't say to the scratching post, oh, am I hurting you? Just, it's just that, like, right. I'm just an object to be used. Oh, my word. I'm a consciousness yeah. for her to pour her craziness into so she gets some tiny bit of relief. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, I mean, I, I, I had to do that when I was a kid. I don't have to do that as an adult. And if even mm -hmm. the mildest statement of a personal preference causes this kind of explosion, yes. yeah, okay, well, I'm sorry. Like, like why would I want this? Why? It, it's harming me. Yeah. Wow. Same. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. No, I'm, I'm perplexed, though. I mean, when you were talking about the love thing, I'm sitting there going, is, do I love her or do I, am I, I think I'm wanting, I'm missing the love that I didn't have. That's, that's what it is. Like when I say, I love my mom, it's. No, that's, I come on, have, Julie, Julie, loved, no. That's exactly the same as mom. your mom saying, I love my grandkids. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I, I would have loved to love my mom. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Yeah. But you can't, I mean, you're scared of her, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only reason, as far as I can see, that you'd go to the birthday party is you'd be scared of, you said, I was scared of her bad-mouthing you. And, and, and that means you're also scared of your family in terms of, like, oh, will yeah. her bad-mouthing work, right? Yeah. Well? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. My mom was also mad with praise towards me. Like very like, no oh seriously gosh. no like my mom was same. like she used to yes. she used to say to me like yes. oh you you you're such a you're such a great person and, and and you did it all by yourself you raised yourself I was you know barely functional and and you did it all by she had this praise and and oh you know when I was first writing, working on my novels oh this is great writing you have a lot of talent and this praise all the time you know when I when I took a a a, a, um, a writing course like that was five or six years ahead of where I was in grades. Oh, she told all her friends. When I took an adult computer science course when I was like 13, and I, she was like, oh, she told, like this praise was always, I was the golden, I used to drive my other family members nuts, saying, oh, I'm the golden boy, because I reminded her of her dad. And there was all this praise, absolutely. But it didn't have anything to do with me, <laughs> fundamentally. It's just that yeah. I was something that, that, that gave her status, that gave her, oh, she could talk about mm -hmm. how her son was doing all these great things and this, that, and the other. And so I, I get all the praise and the I love yous and, and all of that. But it's like, well, I love you until and unless you have any preference that goes against my narcissistic needs in the moment. And then I'm willing to take an emotional flamethrower and burn you down to your fucking ankles. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my mom brags and brags about me and my kids and my husband. And, and then she always comes back back to, I did a pretty good job raising my kids because mm. all my siblings are doing a lot better than what she did. Right. And always talks about how she takes, she takes the glory. Right. Always. Right. Right. And of course, she never asks you for your experience of her. Oh, no. No. And that's really, really important. 
You know, I mean, I ask the people in my life, how's the relationship? You know, you hear me in the course. Is the call useful to you? Is it helpful? You know, what did you, you know, it, it's important to, to know what people's yeah. experience of you is. It is. What do your kids think of her? Oh, they roll their eyes. It's like, oh, grandma, you know, they, <laughs> they've, they have distanced themselves from her and um, they take her with a grain of salt. And, but they, they, they also resent her too, because they know how bad she's hurt me. Mm. And, and so they're, they're at the point now, now that they're all adults and, um, you know, my youngest is going to be an adult soon. They, they get a little bit, uh, defensive and sometimes they're not that warm and fuzzy with her because it's like, uh, I don't really know you and, and you, what have you really done? What what in this call, in your history, Julie, if they listen to this, what would they be most surprised at if they don't know already? Uh, probably about uh, my last stepdad. Right. I've never told anybody that. And, and he actually, um, he never did anything that was bad to me. He was a very good man. I don't know what what the drama was before he married my mom, but he, he, uh, I felt like he put up with her for so many years and had every right to dump her, but he Why was an a honorable good man. man. Why would a good man marry your mom? Obligation. Why would I he mean, be obligated? Well, maybe obligated to stay with her. Why he married her cuz he thought she was something else, but he stayed with her out of obligation cuz Why he... would a good man marry a woman he'd known a week? Uh cuz he didn't want to be alone probably. I don't know. Why would a good man marry a woman with five children without finding out whether those children liked him? <laughs> well, at that point in time, there were only two of us left at home. Well, what actually? Well, the one and two a is still two. <laughs> yeah. No, but the, and, and even for the, you know what it's like. I mean, you married, right? And, and, and you marry mm -hmm. into a whole gene pool. You marry into a whole family system that just goes on and on and on, right? Yeah. Second cousins, yeah. third cousins, great uncles. You know, like it's a whole thing that just goes on and on. You marry a new continent of people, right? So mm -hmm. why would you marry a woman you've known for a week without vetting her family, without finding out whether you get along with them, without uh, uh, winning them over to, to you as a person? It's, it's beyond me. I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I have I have no idea why he married her. She's a train wreck. No, she's oh, not I, a train oh, wreck. I feel so no, bad she's saying not a, that. No, she's not oh. a train wreck because a train wreck is kind of accidental. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. I mean, she yeah. she's malevolent, right? I mean, she's destructive. She destroys people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. You know, she married a pedophile and then complained about another one. Mm -hmm. She never takes any responsibility. Everything is everyone else's fault. 
Yep. She pities herself while victimizing others. She's a cry bully. Narcissistic, vainglorious, perhaps even sociopathic, what do I know, but definitely does not consult other people about their feelings and is so terrifying at the age of 80 that you at the age of 52 have virtual panic attacks when thinking about telling her 1% of the truth you feel. Yeah. That is a terrifying human being, a terrifying human being. And I, I sympathize. Listen, I really, really do. The fact that she's 80 and, and you're still this scared of her. Can you imagine if you ever had a sense, Julie, if you ever had a sense that your children were scared of you? Oh. Can you imagine how that would feel? Like, how would oh. you feel if your kids sat down with you and said, Mom, I can't tell you the truth about anything because you terrify me. Breaking. I would, I would just die if my kids felt that way about me. I couldn't stand that. And I would do everything I could to get to the bottom of it and go, okay, let's fix this. Tell me what I need to do. Right. How did this and come she, about? And what did a, I do to, to uh, bring this about? And yes. I'm so sorry. And, and I, you know, like whatever. I mean, but, but because you, you would do that, it's never going to happen. Yeah. What does your husband think of her? Oh, <laughs> he, she, she drives him crazy and he, he's just, he feels so bad because he has a wonderful mother and he knows what it's like to have a good mother and what a good mother should be. And so he's just very sympathetic with me and, um, he, he was wanting me to call you because he doesn't want me to go to the party. He's just thinking, oh, do not go. And I'm just like, oh, I'll feel so terrible. My mom will feel so sad if I don't go. And, um, but yeah, he, he's not crazy about her. That's for sure. So let me ask you this. Remembering that Jesus whipped the money changers, <laughs> what would mm -hmm. Jesus do? If, uh, would, would he go and reward and support and pretend that that which had been immoral was moral? Would he lie and cover up and bear false witness about no. the truth of his experience? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he, called, he called those money changers out. He called them out. Yes, he did, and, and he didn't. He didn't turn the other cheek on cheek on that because he caught him in the act and told him what for. So, to me, the turn the other yeah. cheek is no. Turn the other cheek is was it an accident? Right, right. So somebody hits you on the cheek. It could have been an accident. Maybe they were trying to brush off a fly and you turned your head at the wrong time, or maybe they were trying to make a joke or something like that. Right. But if you turn the other cheek and they hit the other cheek, it's like, okay, this is not an accident. This right. is willful. This is intentional. Or if somebody does something, they realize their mistake. They sincerely apologize. Absolutely. You, you, tur you turn the other cheek for that. But yeah, yeah. You don't just ignore the, 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 the sin and just, oh, yeah, it's fine that you did that. It's fine that you just um, 
did that well, terrible Christians thing. Christians tried that with the endless Muslims' invasions and taking of slaves, and then they finally had to fight crusades, which is the only reason there is still Christianity in Europe. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Ooh. Thou shalt not well, bear false witness. Yeah. You don't lie to yourself yeah. about these things. And to me, it doesn't mean that you have to go and confront people, but it does mean that through yeah. your actions, right? What does Jesus says? By your actions shall you know them. Yeah. Which means virtue. Fruit. Virtue is yep. action. But to yeah. know what to do, you have to first know the truth. And if you do want to sit down with your mother... You certainly have that choice. But I don't believe that philosophy gives you commandments in this sense. It gives you some rules, but it doesn't yeah. ever tell you what to do. Because then philosophy would be, and this is the free will argument with Christianity, right? God says, here is the good, but it's your choice. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah. not going to compel you because there's no virtue if I compel you. I'm not going to force you because there's no virtue if I force you. It's the same thing with philosophy. Philosophy is not going to say, well, Julie, now that you told me this, here's the list of things you have to do or you're immoral. Because that's like, you know, that's just taking orders. That's not being free. That's not being sovereign. Right. And there's no virtue in it. Yeah. So the truth is, as far as I can see it, that your mother both was and is a selfish monster, an epitome of narcissism and, and coldness and manipulation and bullying. And can you imagine, the thing that struck me, can you imagine bullying your children into lying to people you owed money no. to so that you would not have to face them yourself? Manipulating and putting your children in a situation where they have to lie because you have been irresponsible with money? No, I, I, can, I can't even wrap my brain around that. It's terrible. It, it, it's like the worst teaching that you can possibly do. Right. Raising your children. And what is the Christian's relationship to unrepentant immorality? Well, uh, you, you excommunicate. <laughs> I mean, you, have you don't to, have anything you, you, to do mean, with you, that. You cannot, at the very least, you cannot pretend that that which is immoral is moral. Right. I mean, you can, don't get me wrong, that's free will. You can do anything you want, but there are consequences. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and oh, yeah. I would assume also that the bearing false witness, and I feel quite strongly about this, so I'm sorry if I get emotional this time, but here's what I have concern about with the bearing of false witness is that you put on a brave front, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So your letter did not indicate the depths of the suffering your mother had put you through. Right. And I think that you have encouraged people, like when I asked about your kids, I was very, very curious, as I always am, about your response, Julian. You said that your kids rolled their eyes and, and like, like, oh, she's just this harmless, cranky, bit of a eccentric, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. She's the reason that you got molested as a child. 
Right. Well, so if you if you if you bear that. false witness within, I'm not saying you've dumped this on your kids when they're kids or whatever, but if you bear false witness, like, oh, my mom's just kind of a nutty eccentric who's had five husbands and and you know she's kind of selfish, but you know what what can you do kind of thing, as opposed to the genuine suffering that this monstrous person has put you through and and your siblings through, and continues to put you through, then what mm-hmm. happens is you don't get allies. Because people don't know how horribly painful this has been for you. Mm-hmm. So people can't protect you because you don't expose them to the danger that, that this has exposed you to and, and, and the, the, the peace and security and serenity and, and love, as you say, you're desperate for. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was a kid, I like, grew up without a dad and I was like, oh, you can't ever miss what you never had. Of course you can in fact, you miss what you've never oh. had the most because you don't even oh, yeah. mourn. There's nothing to mourn. It's like there's no yeah. coffin. It's, it's just not people. Yeah. So your, 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 your mother has swallowed up your vulnerability with your family and then they can't protect you. Mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> You're, you, are, you listen so well. I... That is so interesting because, yeah, they roll their eyes just like what you – the reason why. They, they don't know the depth of it because I haven't told them. And uh. and you're fighting it with me because I, I'm not saying that you – but when you got emotional, you – right? You'll yeah. hear it back when you listen to this convo, Julie. You get emotional and you like, oh, got to seal that shit off. Oh, God, oh, oh, okay, I'm better now. Yeah. I, I, kill, I killed that little <laughs> crying baby. That's fine. We're fine. Right. Uh-huh. But, but yeah. this, this, this is like, this is the central heartbreak of your life. Is it not? Oh, it totally is. Right. And yet when you genuinely feel sad, you apologize, you cover it up, you move on because you're yeah. so, you, you, you have such a positive essence to your, to your soul. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see. It really is. And, and the strength with which you have navigated your mother and, and raising your children and surviving what you survived, which would break many, many, many people. This amount of, of, of courage and foundation and, and stalwartness is stoicness is, is like truly a force of nature. And it's very, very impressive. But it's also mm. really exhausting. Oh, wow. Right. You, you do want Thank you. some security. You want some protection Yeah. in your life, but you can't get it if you're bearing false witness about what this mother the has truth. cost you. Yeah. Yeah. And how much you've had to work to survive this onslaught of selfish, manipulative bullying craziness in your life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Steph, I, I do feel extremely blessed though. I, I had such an amazing husband and, and, and I'm, it's always been that way. I met him when I was 19 years old. We got married a year later and we've been married 32 years. And, and I think the, having the love of a of a spouse who is your equal and 
and and who wants you who wants to make you feel better like he wants i he makes me want to be a better person and i and i think that he could say that about me and when you when you find a partner like that you can conquer so much and i just think it's really important and and then of course i my strong faith i think has been my sanity and my saving grace and I appreciate so I that, and I, I don't want to dismiss what you're saying, but I'm very aware that when I started talking about feelings, you started talking about strength. What, 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 what's wrong with that? Because you don't want to feel the feelings. Right? So you're saying all the you're reasons right, that you conquered right. the I past. And I, I listen, it's wonderful. I'm thrilled about your marriage and I'm thrilled about your faith and the strength that it gave you. But I am also very aware that I started talking about vulnerability and you started talking about strength. That's to ward me away from your vulnerability and that's your mom talking. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I. Well, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be like whiny and. Like, oh, everything was bad. And I, I, I want to be strong. That's a, that's a virtue, in my opinion. How is this theory of strength having you racked with guilt at the age of 52 about a birthday party? <laughs> How is this theory of strength ending you in this situation? Because that does not Good seem question. massively strong to me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, touche. <laughs> Yeah, it Okay, I'm let, me, let me let me let me ask you this. Strong. Let me ask I'm you a, this. I'm a I'm a dang No, let me let me ask you this. Okay. Let's go back in time just a little bit. Okay, a couple of decades. Let's go back in time to when your eldest daughter was 3 or 4 years old. Okay. Let's say there's some Someone in the neighborhood you think will be a great babysitter. And you head out for the evening with your husband. Okay. And you come back. And things are very strange in the house. I won't even get into the details, but let's just say at some point, your daughter tells you that the babysitter had a boyfriend over who molested her. Now that's your mom. And so when you talk to me about not wanting to whine, I cannot respect that because that's your mother talking. That's your mother minimizing your pain. Wow. You understand? That's your mother. Except it wasn't one night and it wasn't one child. It went on and on and hit multiple children. And then she sent them on a bus. For two days, unattended, unsupervised, unprocessed, uncared for, and separated the children. So when you talk to me about not whining, I know that's not your genuine lived experience. That's your mother saying, shut up and don't talk and don't tell and damn well don't feel. Oh, wow. And why should it be worse that it happened to you and not your daughter? 
Why are you less important than your daughter? Why is your childhood experience less important than your daughter? And you know, and I know, the anger that you would feel towards a babysitter who invited a pedophile into your house who molested your daughter. Why do you matter less than your daughter? Oh, wow. I, I'm, I do matter as much as my daughter. You really do. And the fact that it happened to you and not your daughter is to your credit. But oh. don't let your mother get away with it. And don't let her call you whining for talking about a desperate pain that she inflicted upon you with the man she brought into the house. Yeah. <sighs> That's not yeah. bearing false witness. Bearing false witness is, oh, well, you know, I don't want to whine and... She's a little nutty and, you know, roll your eyes and she's eccentric. And it's like, no, no, come on. Come on. Yeah. She brought this man into your life and into your sister's lives. Yeah. And then Whoa. she sent you on a bus. That's, and she's never apologized. She's never admitted fault. She's never discussed it. She's. And then, and then yeah. she has the nerve to whine about how she was badly treated as a teenager. <laughs> like, yeah. this is insane. It's not insane. It's great. It's evil. It's evil. It's, as far as, like, it's evil. Yeah. And then she manipulated a guy so that he'd provide her with drugs, and she bullied him, and she threatened him, and she broke his spirit, and she destroyed his life. And she's yeah. a monster. She's like a, a, a soul eater. She's demonic in a way. Oh, so when you say that, it, it just kills me. It's like, oh. Well, if I'm wrong, tell me this. I'm just going with the evidence that you've given me. I mean, this is my, my thoughts about it. I, I, I'm but, happy to be corrected, but I can't see how. I mean, oh, it, it's true. But oh, it just seems so harsh, but it's, it's true. Justice. Justice oh, is man. justice. Justice yeah. is not bearing false witness to the yeah. moral nature of people's choices and actions. Yeah. Well, you've really, really shed light on so much and just looking at it in a different perspective is really eye-opening. No one has ever just laid out the truth so plain to me. And so honestly, it's, it's, that's amazing. I, I really appreciate your insight. What does your, thank you. What does your mother think of your husband? She thinks he's Mr. Wonderful. He's yeah, never confronted she, her, has he? Oh, No. He's not, he's a non-confrontational person. And, and I would probably tell him, don't, don't you dare like, no, no, you don't confront my mom. So we just put on the smiling face. Oh, hi. And, you know, do the kind of the surface conversations. We've never had deep conversations because you know, it's always her talking about 
this bad thing that happened to her and this person that screwed her over. And so, yeah. Do you think that God is unjust to punish sinners? No. Then why is it unjust for you? to refrain from enabling sinners. Nobody's saying go over and torture your mom. <laughs> you, you right. Know, no, you, you don't like put pins through her, right. her, her, her tongue or something. Like, th- right. That's God's job, right? I understand that. Yeah. But well, God, if it is moral for God to punish sinners, then is it moral for you to pretend that they're not sinners? Yeah, it's it's not right. It's like she gets rewarded no she matter what rewarded. she does. She gets she, rewarded. She gets if I if I go, then oh yay, mom gets her way again. And the cost is some level of respect from your children. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I ooh, I I do not want my kids to pay for anything that I that I do. They or that know. My mom has they done. know. Yeah, they know deep down what your mom did to you. And they to know see a few you, things. Yeah. Yeah. To see, but deep down, right? I mean, but but to see yeah, true, to see the true. appeasement. See, here's here's how I think it, it works, right? So your mother was evil, maybe still is. You survived evil, but you want your children to do more than survive evil. You need your children to actually fight evil. Yes. And to do that, you have to. You don't have to go out and, and, and have a big confrontation with your mom or something like that, but you at least have yeah. to stop enabling it. Yeah, yep, 100%. Huh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, see, and one thing I worried about before, you know, I was wanting to chicken out of this call was thinking, oh, he's going to tell me I need to uh, confront my mom. But yeah, I don't need to confront her. You're right. My, my actions and me not enabling her is all that needs to be done and, and quit putting on the phony face. And if anyone does end up confronting your mother, it probably would be the very best spiritual thing for you, Julie, if it wasn't you. Because you really need someone to stand up for you and take Mm -hmm. on your mom. Yeah. I mean, I'll call her if you want. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. She wants to talk. She get mad at this call. She wants to talk to me. I'll I'll talk with her for hours if she wants. We'll record that and put, I'll stand up for you. Okay, Steph, that would be like, okay, Steph, do you want to talk to your mom? Oh, listen, I mean, I, <laughs> I I've worked through all this stuff for years. I, you know, I, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> so I know what's going on with True. the crazy people yeah. of the world and, and all my wonderful followers. But no, listen, I mean, it may be that what you need the most is for someone to see it and, and say it if if confrontation is to happen. You know, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your Husband, maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's one of your sisters. Who, who knows, right? I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't I think have, you need yeah, to muscle I, your way through another thing. I think you've carried a hell of a burden, a hell of a long time. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that for you to feel secure and protected is, is really important. And I, I don't think that you're going to get that myself from going to have a confrontation with your mom because you can't win. She'll just escalate yeah. until you comply or, or flee. Yeah, yeah, yep. And you need someone, like, here's something else. I never said this before on the show, but before I got married, someone I knew, <laughs> let's be nice and generic. So before I got married, someone I knew said, you know, I haven't really got to know your fiance that well, but the reason is, yeah, I mean, you're just going to get divorced anyway. So really, what's the point in getting to know her? Oh, wow. Then I never really had much to do with that person ever again, because I don't want someone around who's invested in my failure. Because right. if they're not right, they're going to sabotage. Do you want someone in your life who's not fully invested in your strength and honesty and power and clarity and virtue? No way. No yeah, way. I... It's a, a good perspective on that. It's a good, it, yeah. It's a man. <sighs> who weakens you, who undermines you, who sets you at odds with yourself, who forces you to minimize your own suffering and, yeah. and be dishonest with what you went through as a child and to put on a brave face and to falsify. And, ah, it's. And just make me so sad. Yeah. And everyone else then around. To have a bully at the center of a family is yeah. a small circle of hell itself, isn't it? Oh, it is. <laughs> My sisters and I, we cannot have a conversation where one of us is just complaining about our mom. Like, oh, it's like we are our own therapists. We, we, it would be so nice to have... A, just a conversation with one of my with any of my sisters where we can just talk about things that don't even matter but it always f- centers back on our mom and what she has done and what she did or uh, what she will do it's like she is the center of our relationship and it's it's negative it's like a um like when you see a sci-fi movie and there's this negative force and it's swirling around and you get sucked into it we have that constantly and i know and, what you mean about like she's oh i'm so sorry you were about to say something else I, I can hold my thought what was it oh no it's it's okay it's okay yeah. my mother is old and my mother is alone and i'm i'm like i'm sorry for that i i, I wish i wish things had been different Mm-hmm. I wish that she had made different choices. I wish that she made different choices now. I don't think she has any capacity to make new choices. Free will is not something that you get forever in the way that I view things. And any more than, yeah. you know, if, if, you, if you smoke a little bit when you're younger, maybe you can be a long distance runner or, or a ballerina or something or whatever, right? But, you know, if you smoke for 30 years, well, you, you know, sorry, you, that, that choice is no longer available to you. And I think that Free will is kind of like a muscle, and, and, and if you just constantly defend and react and explode and manipulate and, and, and never have any commitment to honesty other than demanding other people 
be honest to you, so you have to work less hard to get their secrets. I, I don't like. I, I have no expectation. I'm always going to call up tomorrow and say, you know, I've really been thinking about things, and and you know, like I'm sorry we haven't talked for so long, but I'm getting older and I've had chance to reflect, and you know, some of the things that you talked about because I sat down with her multiple times to to try and talk about childhood and and history and mm-hmm. and issues because I was just like. I was so sick and tired of of not just not telling the truth, not living the truth, yeah. not not like this this cone of non-existence that that yeah. bored through me, like that old Meryl Streep movie where she's got a hole in the middle. Death becomes her, right? And and oh. it's like I I was so sick and tired. It's like I don't have forever in this world to tell the truth because I'm going to die, and when I'm dead, mm-hmm. I have no capacity to tell the truth anymore. My number of days to tell the truth is getting shorter and shorter every single day. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired of having these relationships that was so much the opposite, like you have with your kids and you have with your husband versus the one you have with your mother. It's like I, I, this, I can't stand these opposites. I, I can't mm-hmm. stand these opposites that I have this wonderful thing here and then I have this thing where I – it's not only like I don't exist. I negative exist. I'm the opposite. It's not like I'm not me. I'm the opposite of me. When I'm yeah. in this world, I'm the opposite of me. I'm a kid who never got to grow up. I'm a kid who never got to tell the truth. I'm a kid who never got to express anything. I'm a kid who had to lie and hide and appease because I had no power. And I, do I want to spend the rest of my life never getting out of that crappy little apartment where I had to lie to survive? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> what respect is that to the adult strength and size and independence and power that I have now that I'm great. Why would I ever want to stay in that little crib cage of a prison where I have to say the exact opposite of what I truly think and feel? Why? Because I'm terrified of being attacked. I'm terrified of being abused. Why? Why would I want that for the rest of my life? How is that honoring the good people in my life if I appease the evil people? Yeah. So you came to that conclusion 15 years ago, huh? Yeah, but I had a bit more of an extremity than you. I hadn't slept much in 16 months. So it wasn't like some big virtuous transformation. Like, oh, I've right. hit this peak yeah. of enlightenment. I'm like, I I either come to some truth. Like, I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on and why I wasn't sleeping. And the reason I wasn't sleeping was because I was sleepwalking through my life. I was wow. appeasing. I was not there. I was and, scared. And st- and and letting that go, letting her, letting that relationship go, has that been better? It wasn't a relationship. Okay, that it wasn't a relationship, and and it's not a relationship with your mother. You you can't have a relationship with someone you're that scared of. You can't. Yeah. It's not a relationship. It's a. It it was just it wasn't a relationship. And 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 you have. I mean, for me, that's the, the, the yeah. shock. Like when you grow up appeasing other people, and and you grow up having to placate uh, violent and dangerous people and, and people who will, will abandon you or abuse you. I mean, when you grow up like that, you know this as well as I do. When you grow up like that, you never, ever ask, what's in it for me? Because you can't, mm-hmm. because there's nothing in it for you. Yeah. And so for me, I just sort of asked that, okay, so what's in it for like? How is this benefiting me? What's in it for me? Like, I get when I was a kid, I had to I'd do this to survive. But now that I'm an adult, yeah. what's in this for me? What, what do I want? What do I remember this? I was dating some girl and it was okay, but it was not like, I just remember sitting there thinking, okay, well, I get she wants to date me, 
And I like the first little bit of the relationship, but it's kind of gotten boring. Like, okay, what's in this for me? What's in, what's in this for me? How, how am I? And you never get to ask that question when you're raised by a narcissist, mm-hmm. like, what's in it for me? Because you, what's in it for me is not getting attacked by the narcissist and surviving. <laughs> That's my big payoff yeah. is like breathing tomorrow. Wow. Right? <laughs> and so just yeah. asking like, okay, it's not a relationship because when I bring anything to the table that the other person doesn't want, I just get attacked or shut out yeah. or manipulated mm-hmm. or bullied or screamed at or intimidated or, or like, like that's not a relationship. That's the same relationship a store owner has with the local mafia. Like, please don't burn my, down my store. Here's $500. <laughs> it's like, please don't burn down my emotional life. Here's some compliance and pretend affection. Wow. It's not a relationship. It's like a hostage situation. That's all it is. I know. Oh. So I'm like, I'm just not going to lie and pretend there's a relationship when there's no relationship. It's not, oh, I give up this relationship. It's like, nope. It's like if you have a dream of eating food and you wake up and there's no food, you say, well, I guess I'll stop eating. It's like, you weren't eating. You were asleep. It was a dream or a nightmare. Oh, my word. There's nothing there. There's no person. There's just an empty shell of electrical stimulation, taser brain manipulation. There's no relationship, there's no back and forth, there's no honesty, there's no truth, there's no love. And once you know what the hell love is, why would you want this saccharine plastic fruit substitute for food? Yeah, such a good point. Wow. (laughs) And that's what it meant to me to finally get what it actually means to not bear false witness. To not pretend yeah. there's a relationship when there's no relationship. Yeah. Well, a light bulb just went on in my brain. It's un, it, un, unreal. Totally unbelievable. Good. Hey, how was the convo for you? That's most of what I wanted to say, so I hope, I hope that's helpful. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And with you, with your experience, with your mom, I think you've... You above anyone else um, could help me more, right? Right. Because you can relate, and you have similar a similar past. Yeah, and I mean, like you, I mean, my mom's older, and part of me is like, okay, because you know, there's always this curse that's put on people. You know, well, when they're dead, you'll have all this regret. You know, it's this terrible curse that's put on you to try and bully oh, you and control you. You know, that. like, oh, you're going to regret. You don't go to that 80th birthday party. You're going to regret it when she's dead. And you'll I never. Know. <laughs> voodoo, voodoo, evil. It's like, come on. So I thought about that. You know, okay. I'm laid on me from my sisters. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought about that. I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to get the call, right? Probably not too long from now. Mom yeah. was never. I mean, she was slender, but she smoked. So I'm going to get the call and and uh, you know be like, well, your mom's dead, or your mom's in hospital, or she's dying, or whatever it is, right? I mean, that's something. You know, we're mid-century people, so you kind of have to get yourself ready for that. It's like it's yeah. not like you know if, if someone's twenty and they die, you know, but if they're eighty, I mean, it's not right. you know. Right. So you kind of have to gear yourself up for that kind of stuff, and I have yeah. to look back and say. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible to you because, but, you know, I mean, I've not seen my mom for 15 years. I'm glad that she's lived this long because that means that's 15 years of good decisions. If she died the day after I decided to stop seeing her, I would regret that because it'd be like, I only got one day of a good decision. Now I've got 15 years 
of not having to see a horrible human being. That's hugely mm. valuable. It's, it's, mm. it's 10 years of my mom not impacting my daughter. That's a, like, that makes the decision so much more valuable. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but no, no, there's... Um, and, you, you know, you find out if you matter to people. You know, mm-hmm. like, my mom doesn't, like, it's not like, oh, I can't live without you. I got anything I can do. What do I need to do? Like, I mean, I mean, she can get free therapy if she wants. I mean, she's like, I mean, she doesn't, doesn't call, doesn't, right? Doesn't care. I mean, so, like, we were both just participating in a charade. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm sorry that you, <laughs> I appreciate sorry that. you went through that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that, and that's very kind of you to say. I am sorry about that, too, especially seeing with, wife, with my wife what a great mom looks like, like what a really great mom looks like, and talking to people like you. I mean, you're a great mom. You've raised five great kids. I mean, when you see the difference, yeah, it's, it's harsh. It's harsh for sure, and I appreciate you saying mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate what you do, and it's, it's amazing. You're you're putting out content like crazy. Your brain must be just like constantly. How do you sleep at night? I, you didn't sleep before, but how do you sleep at night? Oh, no, I've actually ideas? sleep is pretty good. I find if, if, if I exercise my brain a lot during the day, then I sleep really, really well. If for whatever reason I don't, but I appreciate that. Well, listen, um, I'm going to close it off now. We've had a good old jawbone. What was that? Oh, it's over two hours. Look at that. Time flies when you're, <laughs> when you're doing, when you're digging through garbage, when you're doing at least one of the 10 commandments. <laughs> All right. Well, um, just just wanted your feedback last. You mentioned good, useful convo uh, and helpful and all that. Did it kind of go the way you expected, or was there a lot of twists and turns? Or I, I was I was expecting it to be uh, scarier, but then I thought, nah, because I've listened to you enough. I thought he's going to get to the bottom of things and everything's going to be fine. So I was actually really hopeful. Good. And so it's it's actually been way better than what I thought. I thought it would be therapeutic and good, but this is just totally enlightening. I really appreciate it. And I, 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 I just want to tell you, my kids will listen, my, my older kids, and they will be very, very pleased. They've been texting me uh, as this conversation has rolled on and I haven't read the text, but I'm sure they're probably saying, mom, how's it going? Cause they've, <laughs> they were all just, Oh, we're so excited for you to to get to the bottom of this because they, they see my hurt and they want, they don't want me to be hurt. And so it'll, it'll be nice to hear their response. Okay. And then this last once... little bit is for them and for your husband. So, okay. Okay. Just, okay. Just pretend I hung up on you. Right. So, so this okay. is like when people minimize their pain, it's kind of like a challenge and an invitation. So when people minimize their pain, they're asking you, will you go along with this charade that I wasn't really that hurt? Even though they'll drop fact bombs about how much they really were hurt. And it's kind of like a dance. They're trying to find out whether or not you will push through with them to find out how much they were hurt. And I knew when I asked Julie how she would react to her little girl being molested by a babysitter's boyfriend, I knew that that was going to be shocking and revelatory and painful and illuminating and all of that. 
And that's because I, you know, I'm not saying you guys haven't, but, but because in the hurly burly of family life, it's easy to let things kind of blur or, or let things, you know, go by the wayside. Everyone's so busy and I, I get all of that. But when people do try to minimize their pain, they kind of want you to dig deeper. And the reason they want you to dig deeper is that they are facing a beast beyond their capacity to manage. They're facing a, a, a beast too, too large for them to take down alone. And they need allies. And now that you have heard how much Julie's mother caused her pain and, and invited men in and who violated her in, in truly unholy ways, or a man, and the, 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 the selfishness, the narcissism, the coldness, the... Manip like the, the the horribleness you've heard it all. I don't need to repeat it all. My belief, it's your family, and it's just my thoughts. But uh, she, I think she certainly needs a breather. She she needs some space uh, to to find out what she's like without this fear in her life. And and if you you guys have grown up like the husband, you grew up with a great mom, as, Ju as as Julie says, and your kids, you know, Julie's kids, you've grown up with Julie, who's a great mom. So you don't know. I mean, you don't know, but you get a sense of it from this call, right? So I, I think she needs some protection. I think she needs some security. And and if you want to understand how scary Julie's mom is, then you can go and confront Julie's mom, right? And and see how that goes, right? And and if you're really, really scared to do that, then that will really understand. You will really understand what Julie went through as a child. And, and if you are not so scared to do that and you end up doing it, then it's going to go like Krakatoa thermonuclear on you. And then you'll have some sense of what Julie was up against. And I think that will give you some real sympathy. And we, 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 we I'm going to say walking wounded, but we strengthen through combat people uh, need to see, the other people need to see what we went through because there is this great divide. Right of the people who are really, really hurt, and the people who had it pretty, pretty good or, or decently, like that old line from "As Good as It Gets." You know, there, are, there are people with wonderful stories, great stories, with friends, uh, and 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 by the lake with noodle salad, and you know, just nobody in this car, right? And the people, those of us who've been really hurt by this kind of stuff, I mean, we have strength and and we have a deep and sometimes bitterly acquired wisdom and knowledge. And we need to be seen by people who aren't wounded. Because to be seen by the other wounded, it has value, and, and that's great. But we also need to be seen by the people who aren't wounded. And not to tend our wounds, but to just to understand what we went through. Because sometimes if we look scared, or we look nervous, or we look uncertain, or we have anxieties and so on, we don't want to be seen as weak. We want to be seen as those are the things that we've overcome. And sometimes are still in the process of overcoming, and having visibility to that is important, I think, for, for us. And um, that's where we, I think, get our genuine healing and connection from. So I think she needs a moat. Uh, the mother is too large a beast to take down. And also there is some collusion among the sisters, as far as I understand it. So it may be worth talking to them as well. But I think some fierce protection of Julie's heart, given what has happened in her past, is is well worth it. And I think it will give her a kind of security and, and sense that somebody finally has stepped into this hellish house of her childhood or houses of her childhood three times every year, moving schools every school year, that somebody has finally stepped in and drawn a sand between her and the beasts and said, none shall pass. And I really think she needs that. 
and I think you'll see uh, a, a flowering and deepening of her self-knowledge and her emotional accessibility, which is already very impressive and would be well worth the investment. So uh, I really appreciate you handing her over to me for this amount of time. And I really appreciate your conversation, Julie and uh, Jules. And I Thank hope you. that you will uh, let me know how it goes. I will. Thank you so much. All right. All the best. Take care. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much for enjoying this latest free domain show on philosophy. And I'm going to be frank and ask you for your help, your support, your encouragement, and your resources. Please like, subscribe, and share, and all of that good stuff to get philosophy out into the world. And also, equally importantly, go to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, to give me the resources that I need to bring more and better philosophy to an increasingly desperate world. So thank you so much for your support, my friends. Freedomain.com forward slash donate.